Welcome to the Awana Clubs podcast. We hope this episode equips you to help children in your ministry belong, believe, and become resilient disciples. Here's today's host, Awana missionary for Central Tennessee, Hunter Williams. everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Awana Clubs podcast. I'm Hunter Williams, and I'll be serving as your host for this week's episode. And today, we're going to be shifting gears. So far on the podcast, we've been covering an array of topics for Awana Clubs, like ministry philosophy, partnering with parents, recruiting, and it's all been really great stuff. But there might be some of you listening who don't have a midweek ministry at your church, or if you do... Uh, you're considering dropping it. Wherever you land, I think it might be helpful to consider the value of providing ministry to your kids, uh, whether it be on a Wednesday night, Sunday evening, or any other time during the week outside of Sunday morning. And the best way I know to do this is by looking at the value of paperback books, vinyls, and Blockbuster. Now, I know that sounds really weird, but stick with me, and I think it will help you see the value of midweek ministry. So, when ebooks first came out, many thought they would be the death of physical books. And with the perks of ebooks, it made a lot of sense. I mean, they're way more convenient, they cost less money, and they save a ton of storage space. Even though they seem better all around, they actually haven't been the force many people predicted. Uh, paperback books still sell twice as much as digital books, and the sales gap is only growing. Now, with what I mentioned earlier, that may seem really odd. If ebooks have the benefits of cost, convenience, and capacity, why are they not selling in greater volume? Well, it comes down to the things that actually matter to people. When people buy books, things like enjoyment, education, and experience far outweigh the perks of cost, convenience, and capacity. Because while buying a book online and instantly downloading it to your e-reader is convenient, it's just not as fun as perusing a bookstore or having that book arrive in the mail to be opened like a present. Ebooks also might be a lot cheaper, but studies have shown that reading a physical book actually helps you better retain what you read. So people are willing to pay more for them because of their educational benefits. And while ebooks don't require bookshelves and can be carried around anywhere, they don't come with the same experience as reading a book. An e-reader might engage a couple of the senses, but a paperback engages almost all of your senses because you not only see and feel the pages, but you can hear the sound of the pages turning. You can smell that good paperback book smell, which some would argue is so strong you might be able to taste it. But nevertheless, the value of a book isn't found in its convenience, its cost, or its capacity, but in its enjoyment, education, and experience. And the same is true of vinyl. Now, you think vinyls will be long gone, right? with the coming of cassette tapes, CDs, and now the streaming of digital music, but they're actually still alive and selling quite well. In fact, vinyl sales went up almost 50% during COVID. Now, that's pretty wild. You think during lockdown and quarantine, people would have purchased what was easier to listen to, but that wasn't the case. What's even more interesting is that the boost in sales, they weren't just from older buyers needing a nostalgic kick, Many of the sales were made by young people, 
by those who didn't grow up with them. So why is there a growing interest in records? Well, it has to do with what I said earlier about paperback books. Streaming music from Spotify or Apple Music is easier, but convenience isn't the be-all in listening to music. There's a certain joy going to a record store and finding that specific artist or album you've been looking for. And there's an experience in playing a record that really can't be matched by anything else. Now, the comeback of vinyls and paperback books might make sense to you, but I'm sure you're skeptical about Blockbuster. I mean, it it doesn't exist anymore, right? Well, technically, there is still one left, and it's in Oregon, and it's gained quite a bit of popularity. During the early months of COVID, Blockbuster posted to social media for the first time in many years, and the internet went crazy. I mean, within hours, there were hundreds and thousands of comments of people saying they wanted Blockbuster back. Both young and old were chanting its return. But why? Uh, With Netflix and the other streaming giants at our disposal, why would we ever want to go back to video stores and late fees? Well, because, again, there's a certain enjoyment, experience, and even education that comes from Blockbuster. I don't know about you, but I loved my Friday evenings of walking through the aisles, picking a movie, getting candy at the register, going home, and watching the movie we had chosen from the video store. Watching a movie wasn't just a click of a button, it was a family event. Sometimes you would bump into friends at the store, and if you didn't know what to pick, you could ask a staff member about what was good, what was new, and what was a waste of time. So there was this communal experience to Blockbuster that just isn't there when it comes to streaming. Now, here's what's interesting about all of this. A documentary recently came out about the last Blockbuster, and in that documentary, they explain why Blockbuster collapsed. Many people assume that Blockbuster died out because of Netflix. That's what I thought, but that actually isn't the case. In fact, Blockbuster was better positioned than Netflix was for mailing and streaming services. So the the reason given for why Blockbuster died, it, it wasn't due to competition, It was due to bad management decisions based on incorrect measurements of success. Now, I know I've spent a lot of time telling you random facts, but I want you to consider something based off everything I've just said. Just as the value of paperbacks, vinyls, and Blockbuster were undermined due to a wrong metric of success, I wonder if the same could be true the value given to midweek ministry. You know, success is measured in light of a specific goal or purpose, because when a goal is established, your metrics of success are determined by the steps and factors that most adequately help you arrive at that goal. With that said, let me ask you, what is the goal of kids ministry? Another way to ask this is, what type of child are you hoping to make in your children's ministry? Now, no matter how you word it, I believe we can all agree that the goal of children's ministry is to make resilient disciples, to make children who love Jesus and faithfully follow him for the rest of their lives. And if that's the goal, the question is, what are the primary factors that lead to this outcome? How you answer this question shapes your metrics of success because you will evaluate the value of what you do in your ministry in light of these things. 
So what are the right metrics of success when it comes to making resilient child disciples? At Awana, we found that the primary factors that lead to resilient child disciples are belong, believe, and become. Ministry that is highly relational, deeply scriptural, and truly experiential. When it comes to child discipleship, we want to make sure that we're operating off the best measurements of success. In the hustle and bustle of kids' ministry, it can be pretty easy to ease into the wrong metrics of success, such as attendance, atmosphere, and adults. Now, by atmosphere, I mean making things high energy, fun, and exciting. And by adults, I mean making sure that things are easy and convenient for the adults who serve. And while none of these things are wrong and they play a big part in kids' ministry, they're not primary. I believe midweek is undervalued sometimes because its value is based on secondary metrics of success. Midweek might be avoided or removed because it doesn't bring in the amount of attendance as desired, or it doesn't have the same hype and energy as Sunday mornings, or it brings inconvenience to those who serve. But if the goal is resilient discipleship, then these aren't the correct metrics to determine the value of midweek. If we want to evaluate midweek in light of the metrics of belong, believe, and become, we come to find that it's actually very valuable. Why? Well, when it comes to belonging, midweek provides chances to cultivate belonging by adding an extra touch point of contact and connection during the week. With believing, midweek helps kids develop a biblical worldview through greater exposure and deeper study of God's Word. And with becoming, midweek elevates opportunities for kids to become like Christ as they serve others and follow the example of Christ modeled for them. So measured in light of child discipleship, midweek is invaluable. And at Awana, we not only want to provide the framework for child discipleship, we also want to provide the church with tools and resources that help kids become faithful followers of Jesus. That's what Awana Clubs is. It's our midweek resource for the church that helps them make resilient child disciples. So if you have any questions about Awana Clubs and its resources, you can head over to awana.org and click on the midweek tab to learn more. You can also call our partner care team at 866-292-6227 if you'd like to talk with someone on the phone about the specifics of Awana Clubs and its curriculum. And lastly, if you want to talk with an Awana missionary about how Awana Clubs might look in your church, you can reach out to your local Awana missionary in your region, or you're more than welcome to connect with me at awanatn.com connect. Well, I hope this look into paperbacks, blockbuster, and vinyl has helped you see the value of midweek. I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Awana Clubs podcast. The Awana Clubs podcast is a product of Awana Audio. All rights reserved. Check out the show notes wherever you're listening for more details about what was discussed in this episode, as well as more information about today's host and their ministry. Our theme song is Jackpot by Made to Be from their album, You Know a Better Way. You also heard their song Throne from their album, Save Me From Myself. The podcast is executive produced by Tim Sandoval and technical support is provided by Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.